podcast, CavsCorner.com, your source for review sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the palatial Franklin States in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, March the 28th. The sun is still up, which, when's the last time I recorded a podcast? Actually, I did that just the other week. Never mind. The sun is still up. Uh, this is a, a quasi-special edition of the Cavs Corner po- podcast. I wanted to talk spring ball this week, and um, because UVA doesn't do any, you know, true open practices for the public, um, you know, there's really no way to to sort of uh, to have multiple folks who are, you know, maybe not in attendance for the, you know, media practices. Um, it's impossible really to talk to them about it, and, and rather than just having Justin or or Dave sort of interview me about. Um, what I saw, I, I thought I'd bring in somebody who was actually there with me, and so we could kind of um, um, dice it up a little bit, see see what see what kind of things we we took away from uh, yesterday morning's uh, session. So I am joined uh, by Mr. Damon Dillman. He is with uh, CBS 19 Sports. You can follow his work on Twitter at Damon Dillman. Um, also check him out um, on uh, the occasional um, what, what is it uh, the sports reporters that we do on WINA. How's it going, Damon? How are you, buddy? I am good, Brad. I can report that it is also relatively sunny on the south end of Charlottesville, unlike <laughs> yesterday at football practice. So things are good. I'm just hanging out here with my Penny, my dog. Good deal. Well, special hopefully, guest. <laughs> hopefully, Penny will uh, keep her uh, her insights to a minimum. Uh, although I make sometimes, no promises. Uh, judging by the, the the rest of the ragtag bunch that cover UVA, maybe Penny would be uh, welcomed. Uh, a welcome. She's addition. very insightful. <laughs> Before I forget, Cavs Corner also on Twitter, Cavs underscore Corner, great place for our in-game updates, content items, and the occasional woody banter. Um, all right, so spring fever, live and well, right? It's misty, it's cold. I think <laughs> it even sort of snowed in the morning before we even got there. Um, didn't do a lot outside, at least as as far as uh, what I you know really kind of watched. I, I guess, Damon, let me start here. What was the one big takeaway for you? And, and it's okay to be cliche. If you want to go Bryce Perkins, that's totally okay. Um, what was the one big takeaway from you as you left uh, the McHugh yesterday afternoon? I think, well, beyond Bryce Perkins, who I thought, you know, for day one, and I think that's the, the caveat we have to throw out there for everything we talk about is it was day one without pads of spring football. But beyond Bryce Perkins, I was just, I, the size of some guys, like some of the offensive linemen, like Bronco talks a lot about how young and inexperienced they are on the offensive line. But some of those guys are really big. And even at some other positions, just some of the size that guys have added in the offseason just since we've seen them last in late December. That, to me, was the thing that kind of caught my attention was Bronco, obviously, going into year three, he has those physical dimensions that he looks for that he wants in his players. And he has kind of those guidelines that he has for various positions, what he's looking for physically. And it just seems like going into his third spring and as this roster turns over and guys graduate and he brings in his recruits and they get into the weight room and into that training session, these training sessions, just guys are getting bigger. And that to me is what kind of caught my attention on day one. Yeah, that's a really good point. I I think I want to talk about this because I don't know if you sense the same thing I sense. I don't want to say that Bronco was unhappy with Frank Frank Winter. I don't want that to be a thing. Um, that's definitely not what I'm saying. And I'm not going to say that that they that anybody thinks it. No, but I think I know where you're going. Like they think they. I want to make it, make it sound like I think that they they think they're fortunate to have somebody new or anything like that. But it does sound like the players, at least in terms of their size, were not where Bronco wanted them to be. And he never kind of came out and said it. In, in, in a direct sort of like 
um, contrasting way, but he's certainly he certainly not only him, but then the other players when they talk about Coach Griswold, it sounds to me like maybe um, the change has been in, in some ways a good thing. How would you sort of characterize that? Yeah, I think that's probably the same vibe I got from guys. I think, I think, yeah, I think, like I said, just going by my first day without pads, I test guys looked bigger and the size gains were noticeable. And when something like that jumps out to you like that on the first day without pads, it seems like something went right in the weight room. Like the guy who, one of the guys who jumped out to me was Terrell Janna, a wide receiver from Woodbury, who obviously we'd seen play at Woodbury and we saw him last year on the field a little bit, but having this this full off season now in the weight room and going into this spring he just looked like a thicker bigger football player and i mean that in in the best possible way and yeah i definitely i definitely got the same sense that i think they're encouraged by the off season gains that they've seen literally and figuratively uh in the weight room yeah because the way it sort of sounded to me when i talked to griswold right after he got there um I was doing a, a feature for the magazine and also just uh, an article for the site. And he talked about, you know, pulling from the floor. A lot, a lot of, they were going to move a lot of weight. And one thing that I think that we have all, you know, consistently uh, talked about, which is UVA is not strong enough. You know, in the trenches, they're just not strong enough. They're not strong enough. Um, I, 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 I'm not going to venture to say um, that, uh, well, you can – you know, you can anchor this this line because of you know the guys that have you know made these gains in the offseason. Like it's going to take not just to now, but obviously all of spring as well as you know summer work as well. But like, man, I I really got the sense that he wants a much not just a stronger team, but a much stronger team. Watching them warming up and stuff was also different. Now whether they'll bring back the ready prep and all that stuff, I'm not sure. I, I it's funny because when I talked to Griswold, what I was trying to do was kind of to bifurcate like where Bronco ended and where Frank began in terms of like what people did, like what the, you know, the stuff that they did here, the stuff that they did there, like what, what was, what was Bronco's way and what was Frank's way. And it certainly seems like to me, a lot of it was Frank's way because I didn't see him do anything remotely like what I'm used to seeing them do before practices. Yeah. And I mean, yesterday was our first chance to kind of, cause that's a good point. And yesterday was our first chance to kind of get a gauge on that. And because Obviously, it was Frank and Bronco together for the first two springs and the first two seasons that we we had been to practices for under this Bronco regime. So, yeah, definitely you can see those little changes and you can kind of I guess it's safe to assume or maybe fair to assume that things that were different on day one yesterday from the first two springs, especially like you said, with the warm ups and things like that. I guess a lot of that was the Frank Wittrich way of doing things versus the way they're going to do things now under Griswold. And then at the same time, I kind of also felt like, and I don't want to get your point of view here too, like we can talk about Bryce Perkins and sort of um, what he, what his skill set means, right, to the to the um, to the program, what the um, you know, what the change from a from a traditional kind of drop back passer to a to a dual threat means, but realistically, what I thought might be might have been one of my bigger offensive takeaways, aside from you know Perkins looks the part, like he he really just looks the part. Um, was I thought that the play calling I saw from Anai yesterday and what the kids were doing, it really, really seemed to fit. And I, and I, and I say that fully understanding that I, you know, I have a message board that people are, will, will, <laughs> will just like eviscerate me if he comes out there calling some of the same stuff that he called last fall. But it just looked like to me offensively, like there was a plan, there was some cohesion. 
Um, again, you're talking about a group that, you know, first day of practice, so there's no pads. I mean, like, but in terms of what they were trying to do, you could see it. It made sense. What did you think of the offense and, and sort of what were some of your takeaways in general about the, about that side of the ball? Well, I think for one thing, I think it kind of goes back to the point I made earlier about how this is year three now and that roster turnover. And instead of a lot of the guys they inherited and trying to figure out ways how to get them involved and use them there, they have guys who they recruited and they brought in with that vision in mind of how they want to use them. But that being said, I think the guy that jumped out to me yesterday is one of those guys that they inherited in uh, in Alamade. And it seems like they really, and they've been saying it since they got here, that they want to get him involved. They want to get the football in his hands. He's one of those playmakers. But it just seems like, again, like you said, it was day one without pads, but it seemed like there was a definite commitment to getting him involved, that he ran a couple of those jet sweeps. It seemed like every time when they were running the seven on set or the one on ones, even corners and safeties against wide receivers, he was the guy who was consistently catching the ball, consistently slipping away from the cornerback and getting into the end zone. Joe Reed's another guy that it just seems like, and we've seen him make plays these last two years as well. And it's, so it's a logical next step that they just want to keep finding ways to get the ball in his hands as well. Those are the two guys, especially to me, from what I saw, the things I was watching yesterday, those are the two guys that they really want to get the football in. And it makes sense. It makes sense based on what they want to do offensively as they transition into this new offense or, and it, and just what we've seen those guys are capable of these last couple mm-hmm. of years. Yeah. Well, was there anything on offense that surprised you that, that really caught you off guard? I don't think so. I think... I was paying attention. I was paying a lot of attention to Bryce Perkins, but we have to do with these practices. I have to. I'm obviously bouncing around from spot to spot because when they're not going eleven on eleven, I I have to be getting video of different things too with the TV camera. So I'm bouncing around from spot to spot. So it's difficult for me to focus on one specific one specific area for too long because I'm trying to basically stockpile as much video as I can since we get we only get what the two open practices this year and then the spring game at the end of the spring. Yeah. So yeah, right. I don't think there was anything I also go into it with a pretty open mind on day one of spring football. Uh it it's maybe not so much surprise, but just like it I'd be I don't think there was anything that really jumped out at me and was like, oh, I did not expect that. There's obviously gonna be changes. There's obviously gonna be guys maybe in different roles or getting different opportunities, but nothing that really jumped out at me and I said, Oh, I did not see that coming. I did not figure that guy. There were a couple of receivers. <laughs> I think like again, Terrell Jana made a really nice catch. I remember that that was a really nice play down the down the near sideline I was standing on at one point during the seven on seven, or maybe it was even nine on seven, but that but yeah, but Nothing really jumped out at me that I said, oh, I did not see that coming. The reason I, I asked is I kind of wanted to set up my own point, <laughs> which was that I thought Jana and Sean Smith were, were the two that, I mean, like, I, I guess I, I've come to expect that Alameda is going to look good. And, he, and I agree with you. He, he definitely, I thought, looked much more comfortable and it felt like the offense finally understood him. Uh, Joe Reed, I think, is going to fit right in. Um, you know how he, he I think route running for him is going to be the key he's really good at just catching a ball and running how he runs his routes and he's in the right spots is going to be a, a big key because he's a kid in, in high school who played a bunch of positions he, 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 he didn't really focus specifically um, you know on um, on uh, on you know just playing wide also, receiver and I mean not to interrupt you right. but they ran a lot of sweeps with those guys yesterday too from what I saw and I don't know if that's just like sweeps is what they were working on that day but it, that seemed like another way that they're trying to get both Alameda and Joe Reed involved in the offense more. Because we saw that with Alameda 
his freshman year, Steve Fairchild and Mike London, he was effective on those sweeps. So that was interesting to yeah. me, too. And honestly, too, when you have a dual threat, if you think about it, the idea of, of giving the defense anything else to chew on will open up all kinds of opportunities, um, especially if you're running some run-pass option stuff. Yeah. And I mean, there were definitely some times yesterday where I'm pretty sure Perkins had four different options. He could have he could have tossed to the to the sweeper. He could have held. He could have taught uh, option to a running back, or he could have passed. Um, there was a lot going on um, in, in some of these plays, and he seemed really comfortable. But uh, be, but beyond that, I, I thought that. Um, not only did Alameda look like he fit and the offense looked like it fit him, and I thought Reed looked good, but the, the play of Smith and Jana, I mean, like, they're very similar body types. Uh, I think Smith is significantly shorter. I think Jana's like, where do they list Jana at? Um, where do they list him at? Six foot one? They list Jana at six foot one? Six foot. So they list him at six foot. Uh, I think Smith is listed at 5'11, which, I mean, you know, he's probably not quite that. But. They look very similar to the point where, like, I was having really big problems trying to figure out which one was which. I mean, right. they don't have numbers yet, so they're just, you know. But I mean, like, both of those guys, I thought looked good both in the short and in um, in the um, downfield throws. But overall, I just think that, um, I mean, look, we we're we're thirteen some odd minutes in here. We got to talk about Perkins. Um, I did not expect him. I expected a kid who 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 looked physical and who could move. I did not expect him to be as fluid. Um, I did not expect him to be quite as. I mean, he's ad, he's running back agile when he moves, um, and I thought his I thought his his passing ability was much much better than I expected. What were some of your takeaways on Perkins specifically? Yeah, I think fluid was the word I used to you when we were watching him yesterday too. Uh, that's just that was the thing that immediately when they were running even just like the pre practice stuff, just watching him run some of the the option things that they were running before they even really got going. But that yeah, the other thing I thought in, was interesting was he's got an arm. He can throw downfield. He hit a couple of deep shots down the field. Yeah. Who was the one that ran under one at one point? You know which one I I'm talking about? I, I know which one you're talking about. I think it was Jana. Again, I, was that, it? the two of them. Yeah. The two of them. Uh, or was it Joe Reed? It, it might have been Joe Reed, actually. Well, he had he had two pretty balls uh, to, to, to Reed and Zacchaeus. Then he had the, the prettiest ball he had all day was the one to Jana. Um, that Tim Harris just played perfectly, tips it, deflects it, Chris Moore picks it off. Um, it was probably, to, I think, to, to my eyes at least, Perkins' best throw of the day. It's kind of unfortunate because, he, I mean, he, he put it where he needed to put it. Tim Harris just made an incredible um, play on the ball. But, but yeah, he, I thought Perkins had a really nice day downfield, and I, and I know which one you're talking about. I'm pretty sure um, it was Jana, but, I, but you're right. He had several balls, I, I thought, that, that could have could have you know, stood out um, depending on, you know, which, which one, which, where you were on the field and, and what you were looking at. Um, did, were you, were you at all surprised to see um, that level of arm strength? Was that the thing that really kind of struck you? Yeah, I was not expecting that. I was also, I didn't know how much they'd still keep that deep ball as, because obviously that was a yeah. big part of what they wanted to do last right. year with Kurt Benkert as the quarterback. I didn't know how much that would still be part of the offense, especially because they lost Lavroni, who was the guy who they wanted to get loose on a lot of those deep balls last year as well. So it looks like that's still going to be a part of the offense. And so I think the combination of both that they're still going to lean on that, at least again, based on what we saw yesterday, and that it looks like Perkins has the arm to do that, to keep that in the arsenal is isn't it because again like you were talking about before that's what this whole offense is going to be built around as this, with the dual threat quarterback and all the different ways that they can attack a defense and keep the defense guessing and if that's another option that they have at their disposal is to 
throw deep like that. It's just something else that a defense has to be wary of, and it could open up something elsewhere on the field. Yeah, I mean, like if you think about it, you take the top off. At least if you're running the route, what you're doing is you're taking somebody out of the play. You're opening up an area of yeah. the field. Um, I think if, we, if we're going to stay on the offense before we move to the other side, the negative of the day had to have been the snaps. <laughs> I don't think there's any way no. really around that. Um, oh, man, Garrett Touche. You know, it's funny. People, people talk about these guys, these coaches, like they don't, uh, like they don't get uh, – what's the word? Did you call it blue language? Yeah. Is that what you, you, what you called it? They the were answer? working blue yesterday? Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, Garrett Touche was not happy. Um, and I, to, to ring my credit, I, I didn't get a chance to interview him specifically, but I heard him talking to various other folks and he said, listen, there's nothing wrong. Weather doesn't have anything to do with it. That's on me. Uh, I've got to be better. Um, I, 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 I don't want to overreact to, to one practice. I mean, you can fix, uh, you know, you can, you can fix snaps between now and, and the fall. And that's obviously, you know, a thing that, that, that they can do. They also had a few um, guys working at center yesterday too. There was Rinkensmeyer, there was Feeler and someone else too, right? Am I forgetting someone? Fanning. Yeah. Tyler okay, Fanning. Yeah. And what's funny is, is that um, I got asked a question about the offensive line with Marcus Applefield coming in, and I said, you know, essentially I thought that that of the two guards, he would take, you know, the spot where, where Proctor is. And I didn't mean that as a negative towards Proctor specifically. I just meant that in terms of experience. But I wouldn't be shocked because Feeler is, is very versatile. Rinkensmeyer's versatile. Do you, do you trust Rinkensmeyer uh, more at center with Nelson at left tackle than you would, tr- than you would rather have – Rankinsmeyer at left tackle and trust, you know, Fanning or maybe even Feeler. Maybe you, you have Feeler at center, you, you have Applefield and, and Proctor on either side of him. That might be a look that they get fall camp and they think, okay, now that we have this group, it changes the dynamics a little bit. But certainly yesterday I thought, you know, judging line, line play in general is hard when they're not wearing pads. But, I mean, the snaps in and of themselves, there were several that, that got away from the quarterback. Um, I thought Bryce Perkins, one of the reasons I came away thinking he was such a good athlete is because he made – so many plays on these bad yeah, snaps. Yeah, we got to see his vertical yesterday. Yeah, I mean, and like he wouldn't just like grab it. I mean, he was he was still making the play. I mean, he was still getting at, you know, he's still getting back where he was supposed to be. And I mean, it's a tough thing for a kid who I think he's they list him what six two, um, maybe six two and some change. He he to go he's up bigger than that. I- yeah, to go up, get a ball, come down, and then you know be in the mo- in the in the motion of where you're supposed to be, especially on what I thought were. Um, some really nice uh, read option plays. I, I, I got to be honest, man. Like I've been a p- pretty negative Nancy when it comes to um, to UVA's offense and it's certainly the play calling. And I'm not saying it was a masterpiece by any stretch, but um, man, I, I really thought that they looked coherent. It looked cohesive. It just looked like it made sense to me. Um, I'll be really interested to see um, in a couple weeks when we finally get to see practice again, What's that like now that they're in full pads, you know, now that they have a chance to, to do some things? I mean, I, it makes sense to me that Bronco didn't want to let us in more than, than the bare minimum, really, um, as he's installing a new offense. That makes total sense to me. I saw enough option yesterday to think um, that they might do a little bit more of that this year, which I, I understand where fans are coming from on that, which, you know, option scares them. But uh, overall, I, I just was really sort of – I sort of came away thinking the offense looked like it like it like it like it had matured granted the offensive line has to be better and that's that's going to be a thing um not just now in spring but it's going to be a thing in fall camp and beyond um before we move over to the defense any other thoughts um from you on the offensive side of the ball yeah I just think to your point about the offense looking more I just think that's probably that that's where it should be going into year three though as they Again, not to belabor my earlier point, but as they start getting guys in there who fit what they want to do 
as an offense. I mean, to go back to the Bryce Perkins example, they were showing him film of Taysom Hill, Taysom Hill at BYU. They weren't even showing him film of what they were running here the last couple of years with Kurt Benkert as the quarterback. They're obviously two different styles of quarterback. And I think it all starts with having their style of quarterback in that spot, in that role, and then branching out and doing some of the other things they were able to do at BYU with Taysom Hill at that quarterback spot. Now it opens up some of these run pass options. Now it opens up maybe more shots downfield than they, maybe not as many as they ran with Ben Kurt, but I just, I've always gotten the sense that Robert and I didn't fully trust a lot of the guys he had offensively. I would agree with that. He just... He just inherited these guys and he made be- he made do as best as he saw fit with the guys he inherited. But now as they start to bring in players that fit that template of what he's looking for to run the style of offense that he wants to run and, and that these other coaches want to run, that should logically be where they are in spring number three is in a position where they're running things more fluidly and where they want it to be on both sides of the ball. I, I lied. I'm not quite done with offense. I also want to mention um, Brennan Armstrong. Um, he's going to be the backup quarterback. And I think, uh, it, you know, my guess would be that he would be the guy that they would basically prepare each week as the number two. But if they needed somebody to go in in a pinch, they probably put Stone in the game so as to save his, his, his red shirt. Um, I got to be honest. Like, if is. I was really impressed with Perkins. I don't think that there's any way for anybody to have heard anything I've said or written in the last uh, 24 hours to think otherwise, or 48 by the time this post tomorrow. But man, that Armstrong kid can can play. I mean, he's got a nice edge to him. Um, I, I thought he spun it well. I thought his 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 arm strength was was readily apparent. I thought he made good decisive decisions. He didn't look like the the play calls were were too much for him. Um, did what were some of your takeaways on him? I think he just, he was a little more up and down, I thought, than Bryce Perkins, which is to be expected. I mean, he should still be in high school, but I do think, like, to your point, I thought he looked comfortable. He didn't look, like, overwhelmed by the moment on his first day as a college quarterback in practice. And I'm I'm always interested, and I mean, full disclosure, I'm left-handed, so I'm just always interested by (laughs) left-handed quarterbacks. Right. And so, and it's just like, how does that change the offensive line? How does that change the way they align guys and things like that? So, but I mean, yeah, that's, that's just a weird thing on my part. But yeah, I thought he looked comfortable, which is what you would hope for a guy in his first practice at that level. So right. he looked a little more up and down. I thought some of his throws were a little more off target, but yeah, that's true. It, I mean, that's, I mean, that's to be expected. It was his first practice and it's not like they're expecting him to be the guy this year. He's allowed to grow into it a little bit more. So I didn't see anything that, that made me say, Oh boy, this guy's going to be a project. I right. think he, I thought for day one, I thought he looked okay. Defensive side of the ball, um, I, look, the defense had its moments. We're, we're going to focus a little bit more on the offense in general. It was strange to me to be watching a defense that didn't have Andrew Brown and Micah Kaiser and Quinn Blanding. But I got to admit, like, Virginia's not, the cupboard's not bare. It, the defensive line is going to be the thing. Right. You got Richard Burney at one, t- at one end, Eli Hayes back with tight the nose. End a couple months ago. Right. And then just walked over before Navy and was a defensive end. Um, and then Mandy Alonzo. Um, the three of them, I don't think are. I mean, I, I think Handback is a nice piece, and, and I, I think Alonzo has a lot of potential. Bernie, uh, you know, Jury has to still be out because you know he's still learning the position, and hopefully, you know, by the time fall camp rolls around, either UVA has 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 gotten him to a place where he's ready, um, or the Thompson kid from Ohio State, the grad transfer, 
um, has fit in and, and things are, are more sound there. Um, but beyond him, those three, and then the Thompson kid coming in, you got Tommy Christ at, at, at one of the end spots. You had James Trusilla at nose. Um, I, there just wasn't, a, there just weren't a whole lot of options uh, along well, that just, defensive line. That's been a tough spot. Like for various reasons, that's just obviously a spot where they've taken a lot of hits. Curvin's out with, uh, with the concussion issues and the guys who got, who got the boot last year toward at the end of the season, that's two potential starters, or at least guys who are going to be part of the rotation who should have been out there yesterday, who are at other schools now. And so just for various reasons, depth is a significant issue there in Bronco. They've already brought in one graduate transfer and Bronco said yesterday again, that they're looking for at least one more on that defensive line. So yeah, that's Obviously, a lot of these things are beyond the coaching staff's control, but still, the the lack of depth on that 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 definitely, to me at this point, is the storyline of this spring on the defensive side. Because even you lose Micah Kaiser, you lose Quinn Blanding, but they're still pretty deep at both linebacker and in the defensive backfield, and it's just the exact one eighty percent opposite on the defensive line where the cupboard's really bare. Mm-hmm. I gotta say, like. As as I, I like you said, you know, losing Kaiser and having to replace him is one thing. Um, you know, you you lost Quinn Blaney, you got to replace him. That's another thing. But if it wasn't for the issues along the the concerns for, in terms of depth along the defensive line, you, I mean, though the linebacking crew and the and the DBs, I mean, that's a really good defense. Like it's a bordering on great defense if they had, you know, if they had more, um, you know, more experience, more productivity up front. Um, I gotta admit, like the the idea to move Malcolm Cook from outside to inside and do it now, and and basically give him the spring to to get right. Right. I mean, I gotta admit, I think that's a, uh, that's a really smart coaching move and a, and a and a and a really savvy one at that. What did, what did you think of? I mean, I, we didn't get to see enough. You know, they don't have pads on, so I'm, I'm not gonna ask you to to grade how he played, but just in general, the the thought of having Cook inside versus outside. What do you what do you think of that? I mean, Bronco has always talked about getting his best eleven on the field and figuring out ways to get the best 11 on the field. And I think by moving Malcolm Cook inside, that allows Charles Snowden to get on the field on the outside. And we saw a lot of potential from him last year as a true freshman. And he's just, I mean, he's so big, he's so tall. And so he just, he fits that mold of what they're looking for at that outside linebacker position. I have to think he's probably close to the prototype of what they're looking for, especially if he continues to add muscle mass. So I think it's just a good example of when Bronco talks about getting the best 11 on the field, that allows them to get Snowden on the field on the outside opposite piece. And that's, that's, three experienced linebackers and Cook and Mack on the inside and then Peace in one outside spot and then a whole lot of potential in that fourth one in Snowden on the other outside spot. And then you also have Zandir as a guy in the mix in the inside who I think they like a lot as well. And there's some other guys in there, some recruits they've brought in. Noah Taylor was getting some time. And then Noah Taylor looks like a guy who could use some time in the weight room. <laughs> like, yeah, he, he looked like it. But what's funny is that he looked thin, but he did not look out of place. He, he, no, he just... He just ju- it was like a, um, it was a one of the in the one on one drills. No, excuse me. It was a it was an eleven on, and he lost somebody down the field, which um, again is to be expected. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, other than that, I mean, he he looked fine. I gotta admit, Ellie Brown now listed at two twenty five, Snowden at two oh five. If Snowden gets into the, you know, if he can pack on another ten or fifteen pounds between his now frame and fall, is I mean, yeah. He's got a great frame. If he could add some more muscle, yeah, there's a lot of potential there, I feel yeah. like. And, and what's crazy is, too, is that you're, you're talking about a group that also has uh, the, the GAM kid, 
um, at outside linebacker. Um, you know, it sounds like uh, Stalker is at least in the mix in the inside. Um, he's a he's one of their unit leaders, which is a, obviously a point of um, of leadership for the team. But realistically, like that linebacker core is strong, and they're going to have a really solid amount of talent behind him. I mean, you're you're in a Broncos in a position where he's like, all right, well, you know, I've got this like former four star cornerback who you know is physically is is probably as good as it comes. I, I guess I'll just have to move some pieces around. You know what I mean? Like, how many teams have yeah. the benefit of of being able to ha- be able to say, you know what, we can move Juan Thornhill to safety. Um, but I mean, I, I, my guess is they're going to be in so many sub packages that there, that we can talk about who the, who the starters are, but realistically that all five of those DBs, Thornhill, um, probably Blunt and, and Nelson at safety with, uh, with Harris and, uh, um, and Hall at corner. I, my guess is then what he would do is he would move, he would basically allow the matchups to dictate who he needed to, to basically play that other cover spot. I wouldn't imagine it would be blunt, but my guess would be Thornhill is a is a perfect fit for that. Um, yeah, I, I get really the sense. like that secondary man. Yeah, and talking to Bronco when we talked to him last week before the start of practice, he was talking about linebacker and defensive back. On you look at those are the two spots where they lose the two anchors of their defense these last couple of years, and yet those are the two positions that even he points at. He points to and says, "Yeah, this is." This is the kind of situation we wish we had at every position right now in terms of depth because they do. They have so many options. Chris Moore is a guy who played a lot last year, and and he's where where does he fit in? He obviously has made some plays for them in the defensive backfield and at linebacker. He can kind of move back and forth if they need him to. But yeah, and Joey Blunt just looks like a guy who's ready to step in and do more, doesn't he? He just looks like a guy who yeah he does. He, he just I mean we heard them talking about the way he jumped out in special teams last year as a true freshman and he talked about it the way he took that responsibility on special teams seriously because he knew that was the way to get on the field more defensively but he just seems like a guy who's ready to get involved a little bit more and make more plays on the defensive side and again it was only day one but you just you just get a sense that he's going to play a bigger role this year and then so many veteran guys Tim Harris made a couple of nice plays looked a little rusty at times too which is to be expected but he made a couple of good plays at times at one of those cornerback spots Juan Thornhill just the versatility he brings and the ability to make plays at all those different spots is just such like you were talking about. It's just such a weapon to have on that defensive side of the ball. So yeah, I feel like that defensive backfield is definitely, it's definitely the strength of the defense and just so many veteran guys too, because you just experience is so valuable. And they're swimming with it because like we didn't even, I mean like, look, Jermaine Crowell's hurt still. So I mean, he, he's not playing right now. But Darius Braden was probably yeah. of the defensive guys. He was the one who I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, he did make some plays yesterday. Yeah, he had a couple picks. I, I thought he looked really rangy. He just with DBs. You, what I'm always interested in is not necessarily just okay. Are you in the right spot? But like when you are trying to get to that spot, are, does it look easy? Like you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Are, are guys like breaking their neck to get where they need to be? He looked like he was just where he needed to be each time. Um, you know, he he doesn't waste any movement. He's not a he's not a guy who takes false steps. You know, he just he looked he looked really um, he looked like he really fit. And I'm thinking, man, like they are they're so they're so deep right now um, in in terms of like having these long, you know, um, DBs that they can sort of call on to do a variety of things. I mean, the Bratton kid, uh, I'm trying to look it up right now. They've got him listed at uh, six foot one eighty five. I mean, he's every bit of it. Um, And he looks like I said, he played last year, didn't he? He didn't redshirt last year, right? Uh, I have him listed as is a sophomore. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, you're right. 
Yeah, but he would have played then. Yeah, no, I, I to your point. And I mean, the way other teams throw the football around, if there's a spot you want to be deep, it's at defensive back with all the sub packages we talked about. So to give options and those options also create competition. And theoretically, that should make everybody a little bit better. So I think I think they're in a really right. good spot in the defensive backfield. I want to wrap up with a quick sort of I don't want to call it a reframing, but I definitely I, I can I, I can I can feel people um, I can feel people on my site who are hearing us talk about this, and it's all positive. We've, we've pointed out some negative, um, but I don't want us to, to lose sight of what we realistically think. I, what I saw yesterday did not dramatically change my outlook on the season. I don't think Virginia's ready to you know, uh, compete for an ACC title, okay? But I do think that um, the offensive shifts do matter to me. The, the, the question of what's going on in the trenches on both sides of the ball what kind of depth situation they face and how healthy are they able to be going into the season. I think those are all questions obviously can't be answered until then. But realistically, I, I don't think that what I saw changed my sort of expectations or my outlook for this team. I'm curious to get your point of view. What, with what you saw yesterday, what do you sort of, what's your mind, what do you, what's your gut tell you about where this team could be uh, going into the, into the season? Well, I think... It's an old baseball adage, but the old adage is that hope springs eternal. And so, again, it, it's spring football, but on day one, there are signs for optimism. And whether that's guarded optimism or cautious optimism, that's completely understandable. Now, again, I feel the same way you do in that all these changes on offense, Bryce Perkins at quarterback, the, the depth in the defensive backfield that we talked about and at linebacker, that's on, that all sounds great on the first day of spring practice when you're not in pads and you're lining up against your teammates, I need to see, do these changes work? Do these changes work against another opponent? Does the, does the lack of experience on the offensive line become a problem against an actual opponent in an actual football game? The depth on the defensive line, how much of a problem does that? There are definite question marks, definite causes for concern. There are also causes for optimism and excitement. And I realize UVA fans don't like to get excited about the football <laughs> program because... It doesn't always work out all that well. So at this point, man, given given where they are right now, you know, with the with the way things that happen yeah. for for Tony and them, and then the, the yeah. baseball team is is it just injured all over the place. I could totally understand if fans right I now just don't want to be excited understand. about anything. Like you know yeah, what, just I let it happen. Understand. I'll be excited after. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I totally get that. So, but again, I think I think there are reasons for optimism and legitimate reasons for concern. We saw both of those in the first day of practice. So it's just a matter of, can they build on those reasons for optimism? Can they get more consistent on both sides of the football? And can they figure out ways to correct those causes for concern? Can they find another grad transfer, for example, who can help on the defensive line? Can they, can they find those right five guys on the offensive line? Can they get the snaps right on the quarterback snaps? I mean, it's such a fundamental thing, but it was a definite issue yesterday. So again, it was day one. So there's a lot to take from it, but there's a lot to go before we actually start playing football and watching football. And so, yeah, but it gives us plenty to talk about for the next couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to more practices, but I also appreciate the fact that we, we, we get to, you know, talk to the to kids and, and watch it, watch them do a little something, um, at least, but Damon, I really appreciate you coming on the show and give me a little bit of your time, man. Um, 
Appreciate you being on the podcast. For anybody out there who's listening, uh, we appreciate this, your support uh, of the show. As always, if you're somebody who came to the site because you found us uh, on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever, uh, give us a look at the Cavs Corner. Obviously, we got lots of content rolling through with um, with spring football. We've obviously got some stuff with um, with, with the season review on the hoop side as well. Um, and if you're somebody from the site who, who who has no idea what I'm talking about because you always listen to the podcast within content items. Uh, pull out your phone, pull out your iPad, go on your computer, iTunes, wherever you can rate us. That always helps. Uh, ratings gets us, you know, people, you know, listen to the podcast and stuff. But again, want to thank Damon uh, for for his time. Want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. Um, and we will catch up with you next week. So for uh, for Damon Delman, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon. <laughs>